getting so heated. I know. I <laughs> Literally, what I wanted you to say this whole time, Kemi. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you're more satisfied now. No. Yes, fuck. <laughs> With clothes on, on but me. But not quite touching you. Right. Okay. Relax your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth, are you ready to get in bed with me? I am so ready. <laughs> Everyone, I have Kenneth Play. He's the author of Beyond Satisfied. And he basically became famous because he has an average size dick and he was insecure about it. So he became a great lover and everything else and then discovered that you don't actually need to have a big cock to satisfy your partners. And he also has like a magic technique to making people squirt. So he also teaches that. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> I love your intro. Is <laughs> that good? Yeah, you approve? It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, um, give us the rundown of how you grew up and why you were so insecure about your penis. You know, I grew up in Hong Kong uh, and I moved to the state when I was 11. So I was like an awkward, shy kid. And the first exposure to sexualities was American porn. So like nothing to American porn, monster cocks and like, like Eight dick inches. and ass <laughs> immediately kind of like. So then I was thinking, oh, I do not look like what I see on screen. So you believe that only people who are good and bad looks like that. So I grew up kind of awkward because of my dyslexia. I also mastered bad Chinese and bad English at the same time. So from feeling insecure about my body to like how to communicate and everything was a learning challenges. And that kind of grew into um, this image of myself that I never going to feel like I'm good enough. But I'm also a really horny kid. So, you know, what they tell you, if you are what you think about the most, I probably turn into a pair of boobs. So <laughs> with high sex drive and desire at the same time and also feeling insecure is a very hard thing to navigate but luckily that i stumbled upon the sex positive community hacienda particularly which i'm a part of that really transformed my life and i learned so much about this false belief that we are only like great lovers are born and i actually believe that great lovers are made not born so yeah you literally made yourself a great lover yeah so and most of those things that we learn is actually myths and there's definitely you know not the size don't matter but it's the fit matters a lot more so it's individual preferences and most people always think like bigger is always better and that is not the case no it fucking hurts yeah it's literally no because you also say it's like you discovered that you actually loved your size when you realized that you could pound someone as hard as you want and yeah you know you don't have to hold back and then people with bigger sizes they have to be so careful because you're literally hitting your cervix and it it hurts it's uncomfortable it's also you know i, I call my cock anal friendly because i'm more likely that people would say yes to um allow me to fuck their ass because they don't they don't feel intimidated it's like a reasonable size for them to fit in their butt so i think there's a definitely upside to that statistic yeah and it's also like you didn't know what average was because you would only see porn where everyone's like seven inches or more and that's like two percent of the population but that's what you see in porn when in reality most people are within the 47 inches yeah and i it's funny because i talk about this all the time people always think of a micro penis right. like i say average so like 75 percent <laughs> of the population and it's nothing you know obviously there's people uh in outliers on either side and those extreme cases are quite challenging but most penises fit most vagina. It's only the outlier that are more challenging. So mm -hmm. people put too much emphasis on that. And it's the only thing that they should like, 
you know, stay as hard as they can, you know, stay hard all night long. They could bang all night long and they have to have a six plus inch cock in order for them to be sexually worthy. And that's a very challenging myth for a lot of guys. Well, yeah. And it's also because it's all penetration focused. People only care about their size because they feel like they have to make their partner come through penetration. When in reality, that's the least case scenario where someone's going to come. It's, you know, it's challenging, like we have romanticized that like, you know, we have the perfect key to the perfect lock. And then when we connect this magical moment, we both orgasm has been sold to us so hard. And not that that actually cannot, like that actually could happen um, often enough if people learn how to like, kind of like train themselves in some way. So it's not that it's an impossible thing. It doesn't happen often, but we definitely make it so overrated and the things that we so attach to. But sex come in so many flavors and so many delicious way to experience it. Mm -hmm. And definitely not the most reliable way to have orgasm for sure, for uh, at least for most females. For heterosexual couples, yeah. yeah. Okay, and you talk a lot about, because people ask, like how many times should I be having sex? and what's normal and what's the normal frequency but it's not about how many times you have sex it's about how many times you enjoy it yeah and we don't we don't count how pleasurable we don't measure like what was that experience is pleasurable for me because even you know it's also there's a diminished return so it's like an optimal you kind of situation like if you eat the most delicious food all the time you become less delicious so there's sort of a optimal for each individual doing different parts of the life, hormones, health, so many different factors, but there is a sweet spot and that kind of changes. So to give some generic, like at least three times a week or whatever it is. No, there's no, no answer. It's whatever no answer. works for you. Mm -hmm. And what's most pleasurable, a little known fact and why this book is called Beyond Satisfied is there's actually some science behind satisfaction. So every time you have sex with someone, you kind of index this experience compared to all your historical experience, rather you like it or not, and your brain just kind of do it. Like you eat something, you go like, is this, this is okay. Oh, this is the best shit I ever taste. So when you have a beyond satisfied experience, so when you move your bar up, so you index something new. So, and luckily I think sexuality is so like underutilized that most people don't know how high that bar could go. So I love teaching people how to have some new, like epic peak sexual experiences that they could get to that beyond satisfying moment. So they, oh, they know what's possible. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay, I want to talk about your fear of rejection when you were younger, because that's why you learned all of these techniques. That's why you became an amazing lover. And like the book has all the techniques for you to become a great <laughs> lover. But like, Everyone is afraid of rejection. So how can we get better at it? Besides like learning the skills and everything, like it's still terrifying. I don't think it ever, it always got to suck a little, but the degree of suck changes when you have more resilience. But I think the bigger fear is when people absolutely avoid being rejected and ultimately they get rejected by life. I think that's more painful. Or they but, reject themselves. They yeah. don't even allow others to reject them. And that's my whole sort of life story before then. Like I was, I feel, I felt like I was never going to be enough. So I rejected myself when someone else had the chance to reject mm -hmm. me. And obviously that didn't create any level of pleasure or happiness for me and, and cannot like self-actualize that way. And when I realized that being rejected is actually, at least you went for the opportunity 
and you allow other people to say no to you before you say no to yourself. So I really, and I kind of have an epic story if you want me to tell you yeah, how that, sure. that came about. Go ahead. So I was, I just had a terrible breakup and I'm, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back into dating. I met this girl online and we really hit it off. And she started telling me this, this sex party world that I always thought is like bullshit or the porn industry or whatever it is. Same. She's like, okay, just, you know, like I'm going to invite you to one. And by the way, I have a girlfriend there that I'd love to have a threesome with you. I'm like, this is Christmas, right? This is never And, but at the same time, I was like, shit, I'm like, like really nervous about it. And and I didn't know back then that being stressed is like such a performance killer. So I go like, you know, I need, I have a bunch of work that I need to get done. And I have never taken an Adderall in my life. And my friend gave me Adderall the morning of the party. So I took the Adderall and be like, this is the best shit ever. I got all my work done. And I went to the party. And in that moment, um, when the threesome is about to happen, I was like, why is my dick not working? And I thought I was just really nervous about all the insecurity stuff. And I was like, okay, this is a little weird. And then I go like, oh, maybe I'm just a little nervous. So I went to the bathroom, like giving myself a coaching talk. Like, oh my God, get it, your shit together. Like you buy yourself, I'm trying to like make myself hot, like slapping hard, myself yeah. with the cock. Like this is the moment, <laughs> don't fail me now, nothing. Like I could not get it up to save my life. So I went back out to that moment and go like, oh, I'm really sorry. Maybe I'm just nervous. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm going to hang out on the party. And they were like lovely and so kind about it. As you should be. Yeah. Uh, hopefully <laughs> in the <laughs> world. But, um, but there was this beautiful woman by the door when I first walk in. And this is my first sex party ever. And she has beautiful boobs. So I walk up to her and go like, you know, I don't know what the right like sex party etiquette is, but, but I can I tell you that I don't, you were lovely and your boobs were absolutely so beautiful. Kenneth is a boob guy. And I'm actually everything guy, but boob is high <laughs> on the list. But <laughs> uh, but at that moment when I gave her the compliment, she smiled at me, oh, cutie. She just grabbed my head and then like motorboat me like on her boobs. And as my head was bouncing between her bodacious tatas, uh, I hate, sometimes I hate using that name. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I'm never going to cock block myself because if, that is the worst moment that I was like thinking my whole life, the most embarrassing sexual moment that just happened like five minutes ago. And if I just ask for what I want in a polite way and people respond positively, then why should I constantly relive that five minutes for the rest of my life rather than having that moment that I just had? So I just made a decision to never like reject myself first. And mm -hmm. that kind of changed my life from that moment on. And That's then this, book, this book was born, yeah. I think also having, if you're into having multiple partners and you don't care about body count because that's an antiquated belief, um, ha like after you have like a certain amount of partners, you're like, if someone rejects you, you're like, okay, I know I can fuck like thousands of people. Like it's fine if no one, not everyone's going to like you. So it's fine. I that think, helps me. <laughs> I think it's, you know, like to, I, I work with a lot of straight men, um, and the challenge is, is that so much of their ego is tied to that rejection, but there's also some science to it, right? Like rejection is a very f painful emotional experience. So it's really, I think it's really hard for guys to go like, oh, I shouldn't care about the pain, but it's actually embracing the pain, like going to the gym, like that set of squat is going to suck. Mm. But if you're willing to deal with the suck instead of it should not suck, 
like a kind of a more of a David Goggin attitude about it, they usually actually able to do it. Um, okay, you talk about novelty, like needing novelty in the when you were in a long term relationship and like the honeymoon phase was over, your desire would go down, which is absolutely normal. But for you, it was like, is this it? Right? Like you you crave novelty. Well, there's different types of novelty. So novelty could be something brand new, completely new, versus mm -hmm. just discover something new about a person that you know for a really long time. So I definitely think novelty is a drive, it's a definitely a, a, a dopamine release, right? The anticipation of pleasure, especially the unknown. Yeah. But it definitely could be recreated with a partner you have for a really long time. But also their level of novelty someone seek is a little bit genetic too to your brain so if you have a certain gene you might be more more easily bored like adhd i have pretty bad adhd so it goes with the novelty seeking side of my brain however i think as i'm like in, i'm 42 right now and i realize that that novelty drive is actually not that satisfying at some time because you end up just chasing for chasing sake that you mm. are not satisfied because you overly chase so it's really a balance between how much of your novelty drive that you should satisfy versus realize that uh commit and value something that you value that you know is high quality i mean that's why i'm in my relationship for this long because there's something really valuable in that commitment and also like have space for the amount of novelty i need so i don't think it's binary in right that way. no it's yeah. a spectrum but like is that how you found out that you were non-monogamous or not i think really? i always knew you knew I'm like you know i'm not, obviously i'm just talking about myself but like you kind of know when you're slutty it's like constant like i don't know for me it's like if you in a room you're always scanning and then you always go like like there's like a radar I would fuck that <laughs> yeah it, it, that conversation is pretty constant and I don't think that I have ever changed so it becomes like I should suppress you know this part of me in order to have a relationship and I did not realize that you could create relationship agreement in a non-monogamous context that it could work you know in in a way that is mutually agree upon and is respectful and satisfying for everyone involved to okay. a degree Right. So tell us a little bit about your current relationship structure, because it's so interesting. <laughs> Everyone wants to know. So my wife have two husbands. So I call him my brother husband. His name is Geronimo. And I love you, Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I told this story uh, before, but I met Geronimo actually at, at a gangbang where I'm DPing someone with him. And my Karen is quite picky. Go like, hey, you might really Karen like. Karen is their wife. Yeah, Karen's my wife. And she's really picky but she she might be into you and then they they met and that's how they hit it off and now we all live together that's literally non-monogamy okay so at a gangbang they met dping someone else not uh -huh, karen not karen and then kenneth as an amazing partner is like hey you might like my wife because we share sharing is caring and now they're all married and live together in the same house I also think there is some nerdy math behind the way I look at it because, you know, like the idea that your partner should satisfy all your needs, it's right? It is in some way impossible, but they're also a, a baseline of how much someone needs whatever they need, right? Mm -hmm. So when I found Geronimo, it's like a good co op team effort to satisfy her needs the way she needed. And then 
because of Geronimo's effort, it also opened certain space and freedom for me to satisfy my novelty needs. So it's also like a ratio to optimize between the teamwork. Some people, and I'm pretty low maintenance, like as a relationship, and I think they, they have more together time. I'm more like a cat and he's like more like a puppy. So, but I can't like forcing myself to be a puppy is quite challenging. Mm -hmm. So I think he actually make me a better partner because of, that's great. And I wouldn't be a good partner for him if I was a puppy too. Then we'd be like, like fighting for attention. Right. So it just yeah, you right need ratio. more alone time. So you sleep in your own room, yeah. and Karen and Geronimo usually sleep together. Yeah. And it's like an eighty twenty. I would 80, say eighty twenty. Yeah. yeah, Karen sometimes joins yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. And I want to say that Kenneth and Geronimo are both straight, so they don't play with each other. They just have the same wife. Yeah, and they always because <laughs> people think it's like a triad. Always, you yeah, know? yeah, they always uh, think uh, uh, Karen is a is a decoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sadly, um, they're not bi, which is. I'm like we're both quite disappointingly straight, but exactly, but it's very confusing. You said it, not me. Us, but uh, both of, because of how both of us look, so yeah, sometimes we definitely send out false advertising to the world. Well, yeah, I think yeah. the entire gay community saw that Geronimo's straight. Yeah. Like, literally. He's disappointed so many people. That's how he keeps his prices high. That's true. <laughs> He's like, RuPaul is obsessed with me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. excuse me? Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you a question? I know it's your podcast. Sure. What, um, what is your own relationship with penetration? I love penetration. I just hate uh -huh. when people are like, oh, let me fuck you. And then that's it. And then when they're done, it's like, oh, sex is over. It's like, no, it's not the fuck. Like, it's over when we say it's over. So like, and men give a lot of energy when they come. And I understand. So then before you fucking come and before you put it inside of me, care about my pleasure the way I'm caring about your pleasure. Meaning that your experience with, with um most straight guys is that they will fuck you till they have an orgasm then sex is over so the effort into pleasuring you with their penetration alone is not as as like that it does not usually does not do the job for you fully no and they don't ask and it's just they fuck the way they want to fuck you know and you literally talk about this it's like most women don't even know what they want because they've been just caring about someone else's pleasure and they don't even know what they need or want so it's like okay fine use me for your pleasure but like what about my pleasure i'm so glad you brought this up because one of my favorite thing is i'm to... getting so heated i know i love it <laughs> i hate it this is so unprofessional but it's just so annoying <laughs> but you know what i love about what you're saying is that you know if you you know, if you're a straight guy out there and you want to elevate your game, it doesn't even have to be straight guy. But if you, anybody you have sex with, but ultimately it is really attractive if you are so good at your foreplay and every kind of sex and then your partner is wondering, why haven't you fucked me yet? It is the best like invitation. And when they actually thinking that in their own head and you're fucking them they're all smile and so happy <laughs> but you have to reach this moment it's like oh i can't wait to have his dick inside me but most people skip that that early part yeah for that moment to occur so i think when if penetration happened only in that moment when you go like fuck me already 
I think the world will be a better yeah, place. Yeah, when they've already had one or more orgasms. A couple warm-up orgasms is preferable, right. yeah. Totally. And then, like, if you don't come with penetration, it's all good because it's obviously enjoyable, but, like, you're pretty satisfied by then. So it's great. There are no expectations for you to come through penetration. You know, for a lot of straight women, it's like going out to dinner with you where she never gets her food, you know? <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> Kenneth loves to uh, relate everything to food and I'm obsessed. So tell us more food analogies. Oh, uh, we're all born hungry, but not everyone knows how to cook is one of my other mm -hmm. favorite thing. And also the, the neuroscience behind um, indexing pleasure, like you could obviously eat like just say steak alone to get to satiation before, but there is a different um, sensation, a different pleasure when you're eating rice with maybe like potatoes or a vegetable or something else, and then you add sauce and like there's a complexity to flavor. It's very similar to sex that like if penetration alone, this kind of make your game boring and basic. It's like boiled chicken. Yeah. Like it, no one's eat boiled it's chicken. Your, <laughs> it's your chicken breast and broccoli situation, right? And brown rice. Like, yeah. it's, actually the not, it's actually not even healthy. Where's the ramen? Where's the dim sum? Yeah, so... Like, where's the spice? Where's the curry? I want uh, it all. <laughs> yeah, I think the three... I always talk about, like, uh, uh, the three Bs. You don't want to be basic, boring, and bad. And if your only game is penetration and she doesn't even get an orgasm at the end of it, then you're basically, basically boring and bad. That's literally what I wanted you to say this whole time, Kemi. Thank you. But I like to tease you until you... <laughs> <laughs> you asked so for long. it. <laughs> it was uh, you're more satisfied now. No? Yes, fuck. <laughs> okay. I love that you said, and this is talking about consent, because you have a chapter on that. Um, you write to ask people, like, if you're not sure about their consent status, you don't know them that well, you tell them, can I count on you to tell me if you change your mind? I think negotiating exit strategy and then you tell them you will expect you will respect and honor and be graceful about when someone say no or change their mind gives someone so much more comfort. You also address in it. And I think most guys sometimes like people are too eager to have sex, they don't want to kill their chances. So they wanna like kind of glance at it and just like kinda of like one thing led to another and they don't want to negotiate. But in real life, first of all, you don't want to harm anyone intentionally. And Second, you don't want to have sex with people that don't want to have sex with you. That's weird. Don't do that. And and the beauty of it is that when people realize that you are you respect their autonomy and consent practices are good, people are actually more open to have sex with you. So it might sound like, oh, this is like killing my opportunity, but it actually enhances your overall, like, you have more sex partner that way than any other right. ways, yeah. You don't agree that asking for consent kills the mood? It's when people, no, it's how you do it, right? And also, i rather kill the mood, right, than have bad sex or unwanted sex. So that is a price that people should, willing to pay up front. Yeah, it's a risk you should be willing to take. Yeah, and also being awkward is also okay, except leading to bad sex or unwanted sex, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, right. on consensual sex, like so. if you're afraid someone's gonna say no when you ask for consent maybe you shouldn't be fucking them also you dodge a bullet if they don't want to be might as well know so you could actually make your decision right like yeah. a, it's not the right place 
also there is also yes and no is sometimes it's not so binary and what i mean by that sometimes people are not exactly sure so there's a part of them that won and part of them not sure mm -hmm. but you are willing to go like why don't i wait for you to be more on the sure side in order for us to engage that creates opportunity for you to build up enough rapport connection so i think waiting is like sometimes it's like people just think no is an indefinitely no rather than is no right now or not a good idea mm. right now why don't we build a little bit more trust and connection you know same thing like I flirting when people cannot read like your response so the more you hesitate the more aggressive they become is actually learn to back off a little mm -hmm. so to create more space more of a and space is also a space to for invitation not necessarily space that you are gone we're not talking about ghosting here we're just <laughs> talking about like lower the pressure right lower their intensity yeah. their aggression but rather build some space for trust i love that yeah yeah just don't be afraid to ask for consent and negotiate everything like if the person wants to be there they'll stay there and they and they'll appreciate that you're having these conversations also practice it because it's awkward if you don't know what to say and to think of how to say it that's why i outlined so many ways to do it in the book because is you say the same shit every time after you like yeah. <laughs> and it works most of the time so practice you've had a lot of success right it works <laughs> it works it works okay i want i have a few more things i want to talk to you mm -hmm. about you also ask people you know when you when they're new to you what do you look like sound like and speak like when you're having a really good time I talk about reading feedback because sometimes like the erotic cue is not so clear to us and people are so different and like I've been very privileged and lucky to sleep with a decent amount of people and decent. then you some <laughs> <laughs> He literally says it in his book so I can tease him about it. Okay. So however you know, some people are dead silence before they're about to have orgasm but some people are as loud like they're getting stabbed and it's not consistent so you kind of have to read in the moment but sometimes if they tell you it's much easier because if it's the first time you're playing with someone if they you could read some sign and sometimes um, I play with someone recently that um, is mute but cannot speak right so I'm going like how do I get nonverbal feedback me too was it the yeah. same person <laughs> oh my god is she like the hottest person ever hottest person ever okay it was the same girl I love you I hope you see this episode. Uh, I, I do not. I'm not, not trying to. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I had one more experience prior to that. And I was thinking, like, how do nonverbal feedback works when, like, verbal communication is not a thing? So I realized that, like, you could do... Um, because I, I'm obsessed with, like, how do you actually know what, what's going on, mm -hmm. right? So it's much easier sometimes for nonverbal communication to happen. It's like, squeeze me when it feels really good. Mm -hmm. It is it's the most annoying thing when you order Uber and you see the car not moving. So you just want a progress report. Like you're trying to download a file, you want to see the percentages moving. So you just have to know what that means. So if your partner could give you any kind of sign. So if I'm silent, it's really good. If I squeeze you, it's really good. When I moan really loud, it's really good when I breathe really in a certain pattern. Mm -hmm. So soon as you learn that person individual uh, erotic cue, then you just know when the Uber is coming to you. Yeah, because that's so true. Everyone is so different and like, I'll moan extremely loudly, but when I am about to come, I'm silent. I can't make a fucking sound. And like, I like How to tell people- <laughs> loud to- <laughs> <laughs> I like to tell people, I'm like, if I am silent, 
keep going like you know and it's weird because like i stopped moaning so they think that they're doing it wrong exactly they, so it's you should just ask you know but it's probably a in, I would imagine it might be a advantageous protocol for you go like, hey, by the way, when I start to about to come and go really quiet, mm -hmm. and that's the time to do exactly what you're doing without changing a thing. Yeah. And I tell most people that because when well, when you're unsure, check in. You could still doing what you're doing is ask, mm -hmm. like, are we on track? Like usually they tell you, but also just learn to read those cue and then magic. And everybody usually have a certain pattern. So I, in my nerdy brain, I'm like, I usually know like the amount of time, like the phases that people go through. Mm -hmm. And I have graphs in my head. So. <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. This is a nerdy bed, yeah. okay? Slutty nerdy bed. Okay. You speak about something that I also saw on TikTok mm -hmm. and it's counting down someone so that they come. And it's not in a way to like, you have to come in 10 seconds. It's more in a way to help them get in that right headspace to come. Because I initially saw it in a TikTok and it's this trend and the person was talking about their partner counting them down and how it always works and i was like oh my god that's so interesting let me count myself down when i'm masturbating and i did it and it worked especially when my head's like all over the place and i was like oh my god that's so hot and then you talked about it in your book mm -hmm. so tell us more well i learned that technique originally from like hypnotherapy is a form of hypnot like you put, put people in the trance state and counting what it does is that because it requires consistent focus, it allow you to open your entire aperture to focus on your experience without being distracted. Like living in this ADHD, um, highly distractible environment, it's actually hard to focus on your own sensation and pleasure. So what counting does, and it's not always need to be counting to an orgasm, it's just the act of counting. Yeah, you can count up or you can yeah. count down. If you really know the person, you could count down, but the counting up sounds good. The story that is, like I used to um, help run this party called House of Love at House of Yes, where we sort of have different King Station. There's a Sibian there, there's different types. Okay, of tell everyone what a Sibian machine is because they don't it's know. It's one of the world's uh, strongest vibrator. It looks like a horse saddle that you sit on. It's so big. It's like one horsepower worth of vibration. And it's pretty strong. So, you know, if your vulva is in contact, it would just vibrate your entire Bun. sensory organ. Mm -hmm all down there so it will all light up in your brain but the hardest thing to for people to go to a big like you know uh big party is that it's very distracting in this like overstimulating environment mm -hmm. so how can i f get those people to focus on the sensation so i just tell them a story hey like welcome to the station and like you know we negotiate the whole thing but mm -hmm. i go like okay the game that we're going to play right now is that we're going to spend two minutes on focusing on you only on your pleasure and I want you to turn off like paying attention to everything else including the music and just listen to my voice and I will talk to them for two minutes right and then just kind of take them on a journey is because they have only focusing on what I'm saying consistently mm -hmm. that most like would actually lead them to orgasm in that two minutes so I was like wow this is an amazing sex hack <laughs> yeah that's great yeah. okay tell me about play labs what is a play lab and how you use them and when do you use them you know, performance anxiety is a big issue when it comes to people trying new things in sex. They feel like they need to know and perfect it right from the beginning. And it's true. And because of like anxiety is the least sexy thing because you cannot get into your um, 
we'd be relaxed enough to receive or experience any arousal. So play lab is the idea that people get to set out a certain time or like this particular night to try something new that they don't they could remove the performer anxiety. It also gives people more room to give feedback. So like I'm devoting the first 20 minutes or tonight to about learning, just like the the silent thing. Go like I really want to pay attention to when you feel good and when you go in silence. So this is not normal sex. Like we're just trying to perform mm -hmm. but rather than like I'm trying to learn so I, I think those are creating a non-pressure non-result like be fixated on a certain result in order to achieve the best learning environment right so like hey I read beyond satisfied let me try one of the techniques on you you don't have to come I just want to like try this out let's see how you feel please give me feedback etc and it's just there's no pressure to come or have sex or anything it's just like a play lab. It's like you're experimenting, you're trying new things. I might, there's something that I'm actually working on, on, on my course, some of the new content I'm developing. And I realized that like all the things I learned in the fitness industry or like from Peloton classes, it's much easier to actually run a play lab for someone else. If I am the person teaching it. So I will gift a couple of the drills to do. Mm -hmm. And they just listen to my voice and I tell them like, okay, give your partner feedback. They were more likely to listen to that instead of navigating yeah. all that. So I'm really excited to find new ways to be a better sex instructor in the moment to help people do some labs and drills. So that's the next part of uh, the digital content I want to provide. So it's much easier to watch like a 10, 15 minute video, yeah. but you have an instructor kind of like, and I do it live in my classes. Mm -hmm. So I want to recreate that experience digitally. I think that would be really useful rather than like, here's the thing. And, I love know, that. Because yeah. people love guidance. It's yeah. like a guided meditation, but it's yeah. a play lab. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned or walk us through how you make vulva owners feel comfortable with their vulvas. You've had people cry because you're literally the first person to treat them with like adoration right so like mm -hmm. and you see them you tell them they're beautiful you make them feel comfortable how are you doing this and why is this so important it is actually so important and like you know genital self-esteem is such a big part of people feeling comfortable and feeling desirable so if they even if they feel like oh am i smelling from today like if they at that state and you're trying to have sex pushing through that is actually the wrong answer so but also that person have to feel comfortable about themselves so your um reinsurance about where they're at sometime about their insecurity that they have for years that they never told you but i even like i even create a sex hack to, to address like first time anal sex because people always think about oh what if poop comes out what if i smell blah 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 so the best best anal prep that i have find is like go take a shower with someone wash the actual butthole and after you wash it lick it and after that there's no way in her mind that she would still have the same dot that she had previously before that so the same thing with vulva, when you are looking at her vulva, like usually some of the dots that common dots, I'm taking too long. Am I, uh, am I, uh, do I smell wrong? Is my labia too long? So address whatever usual concern people and, and speak it out loud. I think using words and describing is more like noticing instead of value, like just like you're like describing, oh, I love how pink your labia is, or I like like how it curves, a little, a small description 
so you're not giving some generic line, oh, your vulva is so beautiful. Right. <laughs> because it's not tailored. Mm -hmm. It's like writing the bullshit opening line <laughs> to every swipe you have on an app that's mm -hmm. so generic. So be a little specific. For sure. And also not just describe how it makes you feel is better than what value judgment you put on it. Like when I look at your vulva and I see those curves, it just makes me like, like so turn on. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way of giving compliments about how it affects you. Yeah. And yeah. then like if I had any insecurity about that, the fact that you just said that made me feel way better. Yeah. Just like when someone's going down on me and they're like, oh my God, you taste so good. I'm like, mm -hmm. thank you. <laughs> and like if I had any thoughts about like, oh my God, I haven't showered in X amount of hours or like whatever the fuck, right? I just finished my period or whatever it was. If someone says that to me, I'm like, okay, now you can really go down on me and now I can fucking relax because the past few minutes I've been stressing about this. You know, so it makes a difference if you say anything. Hopefully not something generic, specific is better. Um, but it does make a difference and obviously it needs to come from the heart. It can be just like, your vulva tastes great and you're like scrunching your fucking nose like don't do that but it makes such a difference because we are taught that our vulvas are disgusting dirty they smell you know all the things and it's so sad you know we have to work a lot of inner work to feel good about ourselves so those comments really help also you could ask if they feel uncomfortable and you see it they go like what can i do to make you feel more comfortable mm -hmm. like check in go sometime and go like you know i actually just want me to go pee first like yeah. it's like small <laughs> things like this yeah but like if you see something like that is like a little bit off checking in it mm -hmm. might be a good thing it might be, i remember one time i was playing with someone she's like oh i just got this really expensive sheet so she was like just worrying about fucking up her sheets i go like you know we don't have to fuck on top of that mm -hmm. so we could solve that problem and get back to good mm -hmm. sex so sometimes it's like insecurity sometimes it's some random concern mm -hmm. but as long as they're paying attention to the concern rather than the pleasure they're experiencing the sex won't be as good that's great um what do you tell people like do you ever have partners that only let let you go down on them for like three seconds and they're like that's fine thank you or like let's do something else now or like let's fuck now and then they're like like they don't really let you go down on them for a longer like longer than 30 seconds it's a tricky one, you know, like like being a math nerd, sometime some vulva owner, some women go like oral sex is overrated for them. Mm -hmm. Or most guys don't do it right, or the most people don't do it right for them. Mm -hmm. So they're just trying to like, okay, did it enough, let's move on to a better <laughs> better, better, better portion of the meal <laughs> yeah. that they might not prefer. So they don't necessarily correct you, but for me, it's more like, can I calibrate whatever the sex act for you until it's pleasurable? Because as soon as it becomes pleasurable, then that, like, like the avoidance uh, or moving along attitude might shift. So I don't think people don't walk away with things that feels good to them. <laughs> they usually no, yeah. If, if you towards. think it's taking too long, sometimes you're like, thank you, that's it's, fine. Yeah, it's not pleasure. So I would calibrate up on the pleasure. How can I make this more pleasurable? Or how can I? eliminate some mm -hmm. of the discomfort or worries that you yeah. have so it's a little bit of calibrating but usually oral sex is pretty reliable and good if you know what you're doing but if i get to give one tip on our podcast it's like 
learn to pay attention with your tongue to know where the clit is. Like we're talking about a, a size of a less than the tip of your pinky. So you might think you'll be licking the clit when you're licking complete offside. You miss the whole thing. So you have to develop a GPS with the tactile sensation on your tongue so that you know how to stay on point. Because if you lick lick here That's and then true. you lick lick there and be like, what the fuck, you know? You're like this. <laughs> <laughs> so stay on target. That's true. Stay consistent. That's so true. And rhythmically. And also because the clit gets hard when people are aroused, so that can be a good like thing to keep in mind. But I want to say like if your partner is worried about taking too long, or you are worried about taking too long, telling them like, hey, I'm going to be down there as long as you need me to. If I need to take a break, I'll take a break. But like, don't stop me because if I am eating you out, I'm happy to do so. Like, you know, like you'll stop when you want to. They don't have to stop you. I also think there's a misunderstanding when it comes to how long things take. Like if you looking from like a building arousal kind of curve, it's not that it, sh it takes so long for most people. They're just not in the state that they're the most aroused and they're the most focused on their pleasure and they're getting the best stimulation. Like you have to combine the three. Sometimes the first 45 minutes might be wasted if things are not right. Yeah. And the only last four minutes is good. So right. usually for most people when they masturbate, I mean, obviously there's, there's like people that actually takes longer. Mm -hmm. But like just saying, it takes anywhere from 2 to 15 minutes range, like when everything is perfect condition. I think getting to the perfect condition faster is the key rather than trying to do something mediocre for a really long time. And if it's not working, calibrate all the other shit to get it to the sweet spot. Because if you in the sweet spot, everything kind of just happened rel mm -hmm. relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. But when things are not that good, not that arousing, and you're just kind of tolerating this pussy eating, and you right. go like, and then you now you anxiety like your anxiety go, am I taking too long? Why am I not feeling good? And this guy just eating away, looking <laughs> at the wrong spot. So all this is unnecessary, <laughs> tragic effort. That's why I'm so big on calibration. Mm -hmm. It's like get it back to where it's actually is pleasurable and is building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kenneth includes all the science like in the book. I'm more more relaxed than that, but yeah. he knows everything, all the stats. Kissing uh -huh. is underrated. Yes or no? What would you like the answer to be? Now I have learned from your first couple of what questions. What you say in your book? <laughs> uh, I think kissing is totally underrated because it is a Good job. great fun. <laughs> I like to please her, so I'm learning. You see how fast I calibrate it. It's what have you people have you cal calibrated after two three questions? <laughs> she likes to get her answer in a certain way. I'm just messing with her. Uh, I think kissing is like, totally underrated because well, everybody kiss so diff like this different way of kissing, and some people are like full-on anime tentacle, and some people are like mm. so. It really depends. Anime tentacle, okay. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying to swallow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all the variation is hot, but everybody kiss a little differently. And I like to be sort of um, a shapeshifter when I'm like trying to kiss people the way they actually kiss. Oh, that's, usually I do what the they same prefer. thing. I adapt to them. So I adapt to them a little bit and then they could adapt to me, but mm -hmm. like learn their version of it. And also it's an escalation because it's just like foreplay. You don't go in with tentacle, you know, tentacle anime <laughs> pawn level immediately okay kenneth means 
really strong tongue game and like tongue down throats when he says that because not all of us and watch anime. And they open anime. their mouth and they're right. like trying to swallow you and there's a lot right. of words all over your face. Yeah. Like not that that is not hot. That's but hot like, when like you're having, like someone's pounding you. It's not hot like when you're just kissing. It's timing. So yeah. I would say escalate and pace the weight like Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't know someone well, you put, and I'm talking most of the time is like I never played with this person before. Mm-hmm. If you haven't learned any pattern, then escalate. But if they have a certain pattern, then you can just kind of go with old faithful. Yeah, I love kissing, but like I recently learned, like a year ago, I was making out with someone, and they were like, "Oh, you're a hard kisser," and I'll say, "What the fuck does that mean?" What and he's that like, mean? "He's like, oh, like you like pressure, like." Because I've had really soft kissers that just like, like, like soft and you like, like pressure on your mouth. And I was like, what the fuck? People do soft kissing. And like, so ever since then, we, I've talked about it so much. It's like, do you guys, does anyone is a soft kisser? And so many people like soft kissing. And then I was making out with someone else and they were a soft kisser for the first time in my life. And I've made out with quite a few people. First time. And I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it. I was like, this sucks. And I had to teach him how to hard kiss me because I didn't like it. And I turned him into a hard kisser. It was great. She's converted one. I've converted. <laughs> yeah, but then his wife, because his wife is a soft kisser. And then I made out with the wife and she's the softest kisser. And I was like, I cannot make out with you. I c- couldn't convert her. <laughs> you just brought up this thing that I say often. Don't ever use your old girlfriend's map to navigate your new girlfriend's neighborhood because usually we try to reference the next experience with the previous experience we just have Mm -hmm. so just remember everyone is so different that you cannot only calibrate based on your pre like your last experience they were still married but that that applies yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay fingering underrated or overrated probably underrated as well like it's sort of also, most people finger kind of like bad. I think. Okay, like, Kenneth ugh. is like the king of fingering, and you can literally look him up on Pornhub. Just Google, um, like, type in Kenneth Play squirting if you want to learn how to squirt. Like, he's the king of fingering. So tell us more. Tell us like, why people I think do it wrong. Most <laughs> people trying to mimic what they imagine penetrative sex should be look like, so they're fingering, they're like jabbing out. them like a drunken sailor. Not a good idea. Um, also. The sensory nerve internally respond to pressure better than um, fiction alone. So it's not the fiction that causes the sensation or lights up those nerves, it's pressure. So you actually learn how to massage the internal wall of the vagina. And there's different, obviously, different spots and different people's, like, the technical term is like the, how their nerve, nerve, um, I love how you're doing nerve, the finger thing. Like, you're literally yeah, fingering the nerves. <laughs> Uh, laying out so you kind of really want it make sure that your finger is pressing on that cluster of nerve and that's why every every vulva is, is so individualized because you know when you look at anatomy diagram you think everybody look exactly the same and feels the same there's that slight variation that some people respond to be a little bit deeper and some people respond to like a little closer to their vaginal opening so that's why calibration is key because you're trying to dial in in the right spot the right amount of pressure but once you learn how to use your fingers not only to apply pressure but like the same thing with your tongue that you know what you are touching instead of just like like 
put your finger into a dark hole and you don't know where you're looking at you're not hitting a pinata for god's sake right so take off the blindfold and like know what you're actually touching so you have to learn how to feel with just a tactile sensation what you are touching and where you're touching so then you could up your fingering game in fact that i think fingering in some cases is probably more reliable to achieve more orgasm if you do it right because you could like it doesn't require your erection you could apply the same amount of pressure and that's why and that's why people think like giant penises like like two fingers is much smaller right is and if it's true that bigger is better than every lesbian would fist each other all day long not the case right so so it's really and fisting works because i mean you have to i don't want to go into too nerdy (laughs) about fisting but ultimately it's not like Sometimes it's fetishizing of having big object inside of you, but what makes the nerve work is the pressure and the right location. And then once you get those two things, it's the rhythmic pattern. Mm-hmm. So stop, stop doing random shit out of nowhere. That is probably the most <laughs> annoying okay. complaint that I people know, get. And it's hard to hear, like, just stop doing random shit. Like, you're probably wondering, like, okay, what the fuck do I do? His book has QR codes with like literal demonstrations, or if not, do what I just told you to to look him up. He has like live videos showing this. Kenneth teaches people how to do this. He teaches people how to squirt, which is one of his other talents. Um, tell us a little bit more about squirting. Squirting is like you know I, that is actually I was although I teach it so much and I'm known for it I think it's overrated because it t- sometimes it could turn into a party trick that people are so oh, yeah. obsessed no, with people it. People fetishize it so much too. So I would count that one overrated. However, I agree. However, um, and w- when we say squirting, and really just seeing some explosion of fluid somewhere, right? But without getting too technical into it, what's the beauty? Why I love teaching squirting specifically is actually teaching someone how to relax and surrender to their bodily function. Because when you're stimulating um, your urethral sponge or your G-spot in a certain way, the release of liquid actually just allowing your body to make something like sort of involuntary happen. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about crying earlier, it's like when you are in that moment where you're not trying to like regulate your own body and you're just like floating in the own ocean of your own pleasure, like that is what's magical about squirting when I like to teach it. So it's not just teaching the guy like the perfect hand position and biomechanics, but it's also teaching their uh, partner to notice the sensation of the applied pressure and to associate that sensation with pleasure rather than, oh, I feel like I have to pee. Mm-hmm. And then when you could recontextualize or reframe that sensation to something that is possibly pleasurable and allow your body to go through the motion instead of like, imagine you're trying to hold in a fart the whole time you're fucking. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> so the letting go bit is also really yeah. cool. Okay. I want to um, teach everyone your squirting position. Like just quickly, now that we're in bed. On you with clothes on. With clothes on, on but me. But not quite touching you. Right. Okay. I think I could do it. <laughs> See, you have to <laughs> communicate exactly See, Negotiating. Yeah. I'm going to hold the mic while I'm trying to do this. Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, so I have you lay this way. So the optimal position we that you actually slide forward a little bit this way, just a little bit perfect. So I think the optimal position is having one, this leg. I'm going to touch you now. Yeah, I'm going to put this leg over and I'm putting my shoulder here. So then my hand could be on her vulva and I'm not just using the finger. So my hand is still there, imagine. 
that I am rocking yeah, my whole arm. Yeah. So I'm bending this knee because you don't want to hold on to the hamstring. Then I'm using my arm, my entire arm. So this part of my palm is rubbing on a clit. And this hook in my finger, I'm not doing this. I'm just holding and I'm moving my arms up and down. So my palm is causing um, friction on her clit. And my finger is pushing up towards her G-spot all the way towards her belly button. And when I go down, I'm using the back of my finger to push down towards her anus. So it's creating this ripple effect. That okay, really we talk about the forearm. Okay, so this is like you that is tiring if you just use your hand or your so finger. So you just use your hand like this is really tiring. I don't care if you're an Olympic athlete, just not the strongest muscle and tiny muscles in your hand. So when you learn to use your arm, your entire arm, your back muscle, and this tilting, which is why that position is good. Like he's leaning and he can use like his whole body to finger me instead of just like you know his hand and all so, yes go ahead no no you go and also the interior pelvic tilt here so her hips are tilted this way that also optimized the position so it kind of squeezes all the nerves together in a yeah. good way okay i hope that was somewhat helpful. <laughs> as entertaining for you as for me <laughs> yeah well but still like kenneth goes um very deep into this in the book and also in his videos that's how you like that's your main source of income like that's what you do that's your that's your thing it's also it was crazy to me because i came from the fitness industry so like teaching people how to do a like exercise correctly is kind of like duh right that's also your thing <laughs> right so because of that i was like when i went into sex ed like why do we teach in the most awkward way possible like the person just need to realize like visualize and analyze the movement but who cares if they could like show you how to do it on a piece of paper on a video they have to be able to do it mm -hmm. so the best way is to actually see someone do it you give them a certain cue and then they practice that's great yeah okay last few things you say sex toys make me into a bionic man they don't replace me they enhance my cap capabilities can you talk about especially to people that think that sex toys are a replacement or that they're your enemies, right? What would you tell them? I think what separates us as a species is our ability to use tools and all those vibrators and other toys are just labor saving device because I don't want to use all my energy to make something more difficult. Imagine you have a screw gun and you choose to use a manual screwdriver all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just not very smart. There's pleasure into like putting a lot of effort into like, you know, low impact activity. Mm -hmm. It's not as productive, but I do things like vibrator or different toy on a loop. It just enhances your experience so you could focus on it. Like, yes, you could spit on it. Not the best possible loop, right? But like the use of loop just increased the pleasure so much. Yeah, just use loop. I think some people. A good are, loop. I think some people also like they identify as a purist, right? Yeah. And they, like so, anything enhances kind of go against their religion. Right. Not, and you could definitely have that perspective. But my perspective is that they aid, right? They're labor saving device and they enhance their experience yeah. for some people. And also, like toys create vibrations that the human body cannot replicate. So even if you try your best, you cannot give someone this particular sensation. It's just not going to happen. So. Why would you not try new sensations, different uh, simulations? They're just great. Yeah. I love toys, as you should know if you're watching. Turn into a cyborg like me. Yeah, bionic man. I love that. <laughs> okay, let's end with you say, 
The truth is that most women would prefer to be with a man who's an amazing lover with a smaller penis and willing to fuck them with whatever toy or number of fingers they want than someone overconfident asshole with a big cock. Yeah, I think there I think it really comes down to pleasure. Like a lot of I mean a lot of my friends who have like, you know, outlier giant monster penises, it's actually hard for them to fuck. They can't fuck as hard. Like whenever they find a partner that they can fuck really hard, they like they treasure them so hard because it's not, it's an uncommon experience for them. Yeah. And at the same time, like because of culturally we've been expecting that this big cock should do the magic thing and doesn't sometime but when you meet someone who is a size queen that loves that pounding cervix sensation then it's a good fit but that goes back to the importance of fit so you could have something seemingly that looks good but it's not a good fit for you it's just not going to be good like uh, your, your if your shoe is too big no matter how beautiful the shoe you think it is and how much society value it it's still going to be an uncomfortable pair of shoes for you so finding the right fit is more important and also it still go back to the belief, this myth that bigger is better. So I am totally on the camp of like, it has to be the ge uh, right genital pairing and right fit. Right. Okay. Um, I love your, your analogies. Yeah. They're like, they're so good. Um, we did it. I just want to finish with my last three questions that I ask everyone. Okay. What is something you wish more people knew about you? That I'm kind of an introvert. I can't believe that like I make like sex at video where I'm performing live in front of an audience, but I'm a introvert that I could turn on my extrovert. But most people think is is the opposite because of what I do. But I also now give like where my life is. People don't believe my origin story, and that's kind of like it is. I was like so <laughs> awkward and like so unfuckable. <laughs> And like, uh, yeah, those two things, yeah. Okay, uh, what is something you wish people did more? <laughs> Calibrate, like sometimes- Oh my God, that's the word of the day. Yeah, that's like really, obsessed. because sometimes like the, what's between not satisfying and disappointing to pleasurable, it's a slight change. Sometimes you're just licking the clit like one millimeter away. So imagine you just shift one millimeter and that's the difference between epic sex and like disappointment and rejection. So get it right. And sometimes the adjustment is so tiny. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Um, something you wish people did less. Swipe on the abs, I think. Yeah, I think like- Hot take. It's tough because if you you train your brain to see there's like endless buffet option, it kind of like the the paradox of choice. Because when you go to a buffet, you go like, I need to eat everything, and your overall experience might not be actually as good as enjoying one or two dishes that you really like. Mm -hmm. So there's a fallacy to that thought of like the infinite supply. I think it actually lowers their uh, uh, people's ability to have pleasure, and I could definitely speak in my own experience. For a long time, it'd be good. more is not more, and sometimes like it's a hard lesson to learn, and it's hard for people who haven't had enough to realize to have that realization. But I think the endless chase, uh, what we talked about earlier, just chasing endless novelty might not be what you think it would do the beyond satisfied experience for you. I love that. Thank you so much for coming, Kenneth. Are you ready to turn off the lights? 
Yes. 